I'm Kaylee Arrett, and you're listening to episode 14 of Me When I'm Free. Who is this me when I'm free, and why does it even matter? This is the question that has spurred me on for years now. It's led me down some dark roads of healing and up joyful mountains of calling. And to this moment, right now, still on the journey and inviting you to join me. If it really is true that the glory of God is man or woman fully alive, then it would appear that God would want this even more than we do. But why? Why is this important to him? Doesn't he have more important things to attend to than whether or not we know ourselves and what we have to bring to the world? These are some of the questions I want us to explore together each week through a simple story, a few moments of reflection, and space to pray. Join me, friend. There are times when I wish that instead of me when I'm free, I had named this podcast, We, When We Are Free. The intersection between my wholeness and that of the community around me is intertwined in such a way that at times it's hard to know where one starts and the other begins. But the two are not the same, and when we attach our wholeness to the wholeness of others, expecting them to never let us down, we experience hurt, disappointment, and unforgiveness. There is a part to my story that I have known from the beginning that I needed to tell but have struggled to know how. It is deeply personal, but the more I share it, the more I believe that it may be universal as well. So I've sensed God's tender invitation to speak it out loud. Last episode, I shared the third question we must engage with as we journey toward this me when I'm free. It is, what do I need to receive? But the truth is, sometimes we don't know what we need to receive in relationships because we have never received it. And then when we finally get a taste of this need being met, we struggle because our eyes are open to what could have been our experience in community, but has not been. Dr. Jim Wilder, clinical psychologist and an expert on the intersection of theology and brain science, teaches that these are called type A traumas in his book, Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You. Type B traumas are bad things that should never happen, which is the type of trauma that most of us are familiar with. Type A traumas are the absence of good things that we all need. These traumas produce problems in relationships, 
So recovery requires a loving relationship to repair the wound. But what do we do when what we need to receive simply is not offered to us? How do we show up fully when we aren't sure we are allowed to fully show up? While my story is likely different than yours, I believe that all of us experience this kind of trauma in some form since we live in a fallen world. And while it's easy to notice when bad things happen that wound us, it's often difficult to pinpoint the ways that necessary good things did not happen. And yet it is lack of nurture and care that often is where the deepest injustice and suffering lie. As I share my story, uh, please know that it's possible the words will stir some sorrow for you, and I hold space for your grief here. It is good and necessary to grieve what has been lost. Before I begin, I also think it's important to share that One of my personal podcast rules is that I do not share anything here that comes from a place of hurt. I'm still on the journey in so many ways, but I am unwilling to use this podcast as a means to find the healing I am looking for. That work has taken place and is taking place in other spaces and is not dependent on the response of those who listen. I'm so grateful for the ways God has already mended this part of my story, which is why I feel I can offer it in this space. My story is uniquely centered around my role in ministry for most of my life. As a pastor's daughter and a pastor's wife, I've had a front row seat to this calling all of my life. Truthfully, I've been a leader in the church without the title for most of my life. I did not understand until I began my healing journey how this had impacted me. From this vantage point now, I can see how for most of my life, I've experienced all of the vulnerability of calling with very little authority to act on it. But I could not have named it as such until I began to recognize what I have not received as a woman in the church. Now, currently there are heated debates in the evangelical church around women in ministry and what is and isn't allowed of them as leaders scripturally. Please understand that this podcast is not intended to focus on that. This episode is about freedom in community for men and women. As I began to step into freedom and my calling to lean into who God had made me to be, I began to notice a pattern. There were certain spaces where I felt freedom and other spaces where I did not. What I began to realize is that I experienced a great deal of fear and feelings of inadequacy when men were a part of these spaces. 
There was a recurring message in my head when I was invited into a meeting or a space of ministry in which men were involved, and it was, you have nothing to offer. Another common message was, you are not enough. Often I found myself agonizing over deep feelings of shame when I attempted to share my thoughts or opinions in a Sunday school class or to show up fully in leading worship or to simply engage in conversations around a table where men were involved. The story playing out in my head was that what I brought to the table did not matter to men And as a result, they were not safe or secure. In fact, I remember one meeting between a group of men and women in church where I actually shook from head to foot for the entire meeting. And while I could look around the room and know in my head that these men were safe and that I did have something of value to offer, somehow my heart told me another story. During this season of paying attention to these triggering responses, I was reading the book Rising Strong by Brene Brown, a popular shame researcher. One morning as I lay in bed, I read the following paragraph and I began to weep. In the absence of data, we will always make up stories. It's how we are wired. Meaning-making is in our biology, and our default is often to come up with a story that makes sense, feels familiar, and offers us insight into how best to self-protect. She goes on to write, Robert Burton, a neurologist and novelist, explains that our brains reward us with dopamine when we recognize and complete patterns. Stories are patterns. The brain recognizes the familiar beginning, middle, end structure of a story and rewards us for clearing up the ambiguity. Unfortunately, we don't need to be accurate, just certain. Burton writes, because we are compelled to make stories, we are often compelled to take incomplete stories and run with them. He goes on to say that even with a half story in our minds, we earn a dopamine reward every time it helps us understand something in our world, even if that explanation is incomplete or wrong. As I lay there in tears, the phrase, in the absence of data, we will always make up stories echoed over and over. I suddenly had words for so much of my struggle, but particularly my shame narrative that I had noticed in recent months in reaction to men. In the circles in which I grew up, too often the relationship between men and women in the church was a story of fear rather than freedom, of power dynamics rather than love. As a result, I had absorbed a belief that I indeed had nothing to offer them. And added to that was the complexity of being a woman in ministry where men lead. The result, an absence of data, or as I mentioned above, the absence of good things that we all need primarily 
to be named and celebrated in community with both genders. Brene goes on to write, what do we call a story that's based on limited real data and imagined data and blended into a coherent, emotionally satisfying version of reality? A conspiracy theory. Later on, she goes on to describe these narratives as lies honestly told. Jim Wilder describes these stories we tell ourselves as false knowing or experiential lies. He writes, it would actually be very hard to locate this experiential base of false knowing, except that lies always leave a trail of unresolved, painful feelings. It would be a while before I could begin to absorb a new story, one in which I recognize the narratives of I am not enough and I have nothing to offer for what they are, lies honestly told. It would require new data, however, which would come in ways I could not have imagined. I will share more in the second part of this episode next week. In the meantime, here's what I need you to know. This podcast is about freedom and what that looks like in the kingdom of God for all of us, both men and women. Since this time, I have gotten enough glimpses of true freedom that I believe we were sold a lie. We need each other in all of our humility and glory. And when we don't experience this, we all suffer. And so today, friend, I leave you with these questions and some space to reflect. If it's helpful, I invite you to grab a journal to jot these thoughts down and ponder them throughout the week. Question one, are there patterns in your thinking which often leave a trail of unresolved, painful feelings for you or for others you're in relationship with? If so, is it possible that you have absorbed a story in your life that is a lie, honestly told? These stories are often related to our lovability in community or with God, or can also relate to our creativity or abilities. Take a moment to see if you could name one of the stories you tell yourself. Question two. If these narratives are often the result of the absence of a good thing that you needed, can you name what that good thing might be? While we cannot expect others to provide our wholeness for us, we must grieve the gaps in our story before we can start writing a new one. Then, would you take a moment to reflect with me and maybe even journal Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Let's pray. Jesus, could you open our eyes to the narratives that play out in our hearts that are not from you? Could you help us to see the gaps between what we needed to receive in loving relationships and what we did not so that we can move toward healing those stories? And would you help us write better stories that are rooted in truth and loving relationships? It is in your strong name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Me When I'm Free. I hope you'll continue to join me on this journey toward wholeness. I'd love a traveling companion. My hope is that you'll see yourself in these stories that I share here. And if nothing else, you'll feel less alone. If you'd like to connect throughout the week, you can find me at Kaylee Errett on Facebook and Instagram or at KayleeArrett.com. And if you haven't yet, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast and I'd be delighted if you left a review. Thanks for listening, friend. Let's meet back here next week.